Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to To Empower You. I am your host, Thomas A. Deloach, and I'm so glad that you have joined me for these few moments in time. And on today's show, I want to talk about, yes, Lord, I will do it. This is a teaching podcast, so go and grab your Bibles and something to write with and take some copious notes, as I believe I have a word from the Lord for you today. We're going to start here in Matthew 23, and we're going to start here at verse number 11 and and conclude at verse number 12. And I have a few more Bible verses that I want to give you, but I'm going to stake my claim at the end of the show here in 1 Kings chapter 19, where I really want to kind of anchor your heart in this principle of, yes, Lord, I will do it. But in Matthew 23, starting at verse number 11, notice what it says here, because this is profound. The greatest, not the weak or the least, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Very clear, very precise. The greatest among you shall be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So in other words, even those in ministry, those that we look up to, the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and so on and so on. These people are servants. They're not superstars. They're servants. And they are simply serving at a different level of authority. That does not mean that they're better than you. They're just serving at a different level of authority. And Jesus understood that. He never thought he was better than anybody. He just understood his heavenly father. And he understood his place and position of authority And he served in it with all of his might, always had the servant tile on, serving those that uh, were needy, those that were weak, those that were sick, those that were impoverished. And I think it's a call, should be a clarion call to those that are in the fivefold ministry, like myself, that we must remember who called us to this glorious work. It was Jesus that called us. And so we must make sure that we understand that we're not better than anybody. We just need to serve and be faithful. Now, in the local church where I serve as pastor, we have something called helps ministry, H-E-L-P-S. And here's what it means. Having enough loving people serving. This is the cry of God that we really need enough loving people serving because we don't have a lot of times enough people We don't have always the resources that we need for people to serve. We, there's a really dearth in the land for people that will serve. And I hope, hopefully after hearing this show today, it'll get your heart stirred to get back into your local church and serve alongside your pastor. Again, that is the cry of God. It's the cry of pastors. Many times we're on our knees praying, Lord, send us some people that will stand with us and help us serve not only those that are in the church, but those that are out of it as well. 
Because when we do it and do it at a high level like Jesus did, I really believe the heart of God will be happy. Buddy Bill, uh, should, should I say Buddy Bell, that's his name, Buddy Bell, who uh, came up with this uh, helps thing in terms of having enough loving people serving. He says this, if there are two people, one with no ability, but an attitude of faithfulness and the other with a lot of ability, but no faithfulness, I will take the one who is faithful every time. And I concur wholeheartedly. I've pastored now for about 15 years and I've seen people come and go. But the ones that don't have any ability at all, but they're faithful, those are the ones you can teach and mentor because they don't have a lot going for them. It seems like the most gifted ones are the most distracted because they got so many tools and different things that they can do that they're just not all the way in. But people who really understand and really have a revelation of where they were when God found them and they are just so happy and they're just so joyous with humility that God is using them, those are the ones that can be used at a higher level. Let me give you a scripture. In Matthew 20, starting at verse number 20, notice what this says, starting at verse number 20, and we'll conclude, I believe here, at verse number 23. It says, then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Verse 21, and he said unto her, what will thou? And she said unto him, grant that my two sons may sit, the one on thy right and the other on thy left in the kingdom. In other words, give my sons some status. Verse 22, notice what Jesus said. But Jesus answered and said, you know not what ye ask. That's so powerful. If you have your Bibles, underscore that. You don't even know what you're asking. Because many times we're asking God for things, but we really don't understand what goes into this. Yes, Lord, I will do it. But we have an audacious mom with her two sons wanting some type of celebrity status with Jesus. And she has no clue of what she's asking. So Jesus goes on to say, are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? Notice what she said. They say unto him, we are able. Now, you know, they weren't able to do that. But again, we think that we're able to do something that we're just not able to do. I marvel at the people who have come through even my own ministry thinking that they could do what I could do. But the reality is, if God hadn't anointed me to do it, I wouldn't be able to do it. It's so much more that goes into pastoring. It's just not preaching. It's just not teaching. And people have a lot of disrespect for servants of God because they don't think we do anything else but roll out of the bed and come to church on Sunday and midweek but they don't see the study time, the prayer time, the dedication, the things that we do behind the scenes to become what we are in God. There was a yes, Lord, a sacrifice that every true man and woman of God had to give to be who we are. And it takes a lot of sacrifice. There are a lot of lonely roads along the way. And so this woman nor her sons truly understand this. And they say we're able. In other words, 
as long as we next to you, Jesus, just give us some status. They've got no pride. They've got no humility. But verse 23 says this, Jesus said, and he said unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left, it is not mine to give. So what you're asking, I can't give it to you, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. That's the father's decision, not my decision. And the reality is there's something profound here is a word that says prepared. It's been prepared of my father. In other words, before the sons of Zebedee and their mom came on the scene, the father already knew who was prepared or who would be prepared for such an assignment. In other words, that assignments that are given by God is not of our choosing. It's not of our making, but it's God because he knows our debt. He knows what we can handle. God knows. I know we think we know, but we don't know. And then when we get involved in it, we say, man, I'm just not cut out for this. But God knows what you're cut out for. God knows your breaking point. He knows your high points. He knows everything about us. So we've got to trust God. And again, this yes, Lord, I will do it. It's more than a notion. You just can't say yes out of your mouth if it's not in your heart. And I've met too many people over the years who get excited. They get excited coming in the door. They're so happy the first day, the first week, the second week, the third month, the fifth month, the first year. Oh, but the second year is coming and they lose enthusiasm. They lose the zeal. They lose the zest of what they said yes to. They said yes to the ministry. Yes, I'll follow. Yes, I'll serve. But those again, those days become weeks. Weeks become months. Months become years. And people got this seasonal thing where they say, oh, it's just I'm just here for a season. And they just bounce around like a ball. And I always use this example for people that are married. Did you do that when you were married? Did you tell your spouse, I'll just be here for a season? I'll just be here for two weeks or for two months. But after that third month, after that fifth year, I'm going to go on to the next woman. Or I'm going to go on to the next man. If you knew that's how that potential person you was going to marry would think, would you marry them? No, you wouldn't. So it's the same thing in the things of God. I believe that when we say yes to God, Maybe what we do inside of a local church may change, but I don't know if we should be bouncing around churches all over town trying to find some place that fits. When God already knows where we fit, we need to trust God and get planted. Trees that are planted grow. Trees that are planted will bloom. Not trees that are bouncing around. You've got no root system, no character, no integrity. And in this day, people don't even want to hear that. When you begin to tell them that, they get mad. They get upset because you rebuked them, because you told them the truth. And the Apostle Paul, I believe, told the Galatian church, have I offended you because I told you the truth? People don't even want to hear truth today. But I pray as you're listening to this podcast that you want to hear some truth. The next level for you, ladies and gentlemen, is yes, Lord, I will do it and stay faithful.
faithful with it because there's blessing in that faithfulness. There's finances, there's joy, there's peace, there's contentment. There's so many layers of things that God wants to do through you and in you if you will say yes to God. The mother of the sons of Zebedee, they didn't know any better. And Jesus knew they didn't know any better. But he did say to them, you will be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And you're going to drink this cup. You're going to go through some things. Trust and believe. But I just cannot hand out a seat to you just because that is up to the father. And I'm not going to make that decision because that's not my decision or choice to make. That's the will of God. So let's be more concerned about finding out what the will of God is for us when we know. Listen to God and find out where he wants you to be planted. And you'd be surprised where God will send you. He's not going to send you to the big fancy church or the church that's got it all together. He's going to send you to a startup, a church that's struggling, a church that has no praise and worship team, has no uh, music teacher, has no one to teach the children, has no one to serve at the door, has no one to serve at the altar, no one to serve in the campus ministry with the teens. God knows where to send you. We don't have a right to tell God, I don't like it here. I don't want to be here. I know people that have said that I don't really want to be here. And the arrogance of people as if they would thrive in a ministry that they want to be in. Because one thing about people, they're flighty, they're shifty, they change. They say one thing today, do something tomorrow. But we need a firm commitment to God. And it is my prayer today, just in these few moments that you've been listening, I pray that you go back to the day that you met the Lord and get reacquainted with him when he touched your life that day by the power of the anointing. And if you've ever said yes to God and you've been waning in that yes, it's high time now to come back because God still has need of you. And newsflash, he has not changed his mind. God is the only one I know who never changed his mind. People change their mind, but God never does. If he called you to that ministry Ain't no need you going back to God and saying, Lord, did you change your mind? No, he did not. Get your hips back over there. Get planted in that soil with that pastor, man or woman, to whomever it may be, that leadership, coming there repentive, coming there thanking God that he would call you to do something anyway. That's the attitude we need to have. God, I'm so glad you called me to do something anyway. I'm so glad that you gave me a gift and a talent to serve you. We need more gratitude today in the body of Christ. We need more gratitude today in the things of God. That's what we need. And when we have that, I promise you, we'll go to the next level, higher heights and deeper depths in him. All right. Now, let me go here to my principal text in 1 Kings where I really want to anchor in this, yes, Lord, I'll do it. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to start here at verse number 19, and we'll conclude at verse number 21. Just a few verses here, but some powerful verses and some principles that I want you to see. It says, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Zaphat, 
who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And I want to suggest to you that that mantle was the anointing. So now we have Elisha, who was the younger, and we have Elijah, who was the older. And so we have Elisha plowing in the field, in his father's field, young man plowing, working in the field that day, the sun beating down on him, plowing as he would every day. And all of a sudden, his life changes by the premier prophet, Elijah. Elijah was passing through that way, but I believe it was by divine providence that he was passing through that way and he cast his mantle upon him. And verse 20 says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Wow. The power of God hit Elisha that day and he left his oxen. Hear this now. He left his job and ran after the prophet. That's a powerful yes, Lord, that hit his life that day. No revival, no big name conference, no big name preacher, no anything. The power of God hit Elisha that day. This is what we need. This is real. This is genuine. Hit his life that day and he quit his job. And ran after Elijah. That's so strange today because most people wouldn't dare do that. And the ones that have, they woke up and they said, was that really God? Especially when times get tough. Did the Lord really touch my life? They start making excuses because here's one thing about this. Yes, Lord, you're going to go through some seasons and some situations and some circumstances that you don't like. But look at Elisha. He left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee. But here's the question. Elijah didn't call you to follow him. What was it that happened to Elisha that day in the field? What, what confirmation, what conviction what happened to him that he would leave all? That I'm going to kiss my father and my mother and just leave my family and follow a guy that I don't even know? People don't even do that. Nobody's going to do that many times. But this young man did. I'm telling you, this is more than a notion. Something happened to Elisha on that day. I can't quantify it. I don't know what it was other than that sincere, powerful anointing that hit his life, that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God hit his life that day, that destiny calling that he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he didn't need to be convinced of, even by Elijah, hit him that day in that sunny, hot, smelly field, plowing with those oxen. He said, I'm going to kiss my father and my mother, and I'm going to follow thee. Notice what the prophet said. And he said unto him, go back, for what have I done to thee? Exactly. What did I do? 
I mean, what's up? Why are you following me? I didn't ask you to follow me. I didn't ask you to quit your job and leave your family. I didn't ask you to do that. What's going on? Notice now that Elijah's remarks sound odd. Go back for what have I done to thee? What Elijah was saying was, all right, Elisha, if you're going to follow me, if this yes, Lord, I will do it is really in your heart. Don't miss this. That is between you and God. I have nothing to do with it. I love that. In other words, Elijah's like, this is between you and God. And this is one of the things I think as pastors, we need to tell people that come inside of our churches. If you say God called you here, that's between you and God. But man, you gave up after a week. You got frustrated after two weeks. You left after a month, after a year. I mean, really? I mean, the water's just getting warm by the time you leave. I really take issue with people who say God told them to do it, but it's so temporary. You can't get anything out of anything, Tim. You don't even you don't even understand a ministry really that you are connected to until after a couple years of being there. But people say this so cavalier. They're not thinking. It's just some mamsy pamsy, yes. No commitment, no dedication. No prayerful consideration. They don't understand that when they become a part of something, they give up the eyes for the us, for the we, for the goal, for the mission of the ministry, not for their personal shine, not for their personal gain. It's not about that. But look at this young man, Elisha, who apparently understands what he's doing. He understands what the call of God is. He has an inkling of what God wants to do in his life. Do you have an inkling of what God wants to do in your life? Or are you just messing around, just saying things that are really not true, just trying to waste people's time? I love this story because it's profound. And Elijah is trying to help him to understand, listen, man, this is going to be between you and God, not between you and I. See, when he says yes to God, Elisha, now Elijah can come on the scene and lead him and prepare him to do God's service. So you just can't get around the man of God. You got to come through God. You know, we like to cut corners. You've got to come through God But then there's going to be a man or a woman that God is going to sit you under to train you, to help you to become. Because nobody gets there by themselves. You cannot short circuit the plan of God or what he wants for your life. And so Elijah was simply obeying God and making Elisha responsible for his own decision. Not a choice, but a decision. See, when you got a choice, that's between you and people. It's like a multiple choice question, A, B, or C. So you just choosing something. And if it don't work, you just go to the next choice. But see, when you make a decision, that's different. I decided with everything that's in me that I'm going to follow. And the wonderful thing about this, if you just continue to read about Elijah and Elisha and how Elisha served Elijah, we never hear Elisha turning back on the call of God that day. 
We never hear of Elisha saying, oh, I made a mistake. It's too tough. It's too hard. No, he doesn't do that. The decision that that young man made in that field, he didn't go back on it. We need some young Elishas today that will not turn back when things get hard. That's the wonderful thing I love about this young man. He stayed with it because Elijah wasn't easy to serve. He wasn't easy to be around. He wasn't easy to do things for. But see, God knows the person to whom he's calling you to serve or the ministry he's calling you to serve. Those people are not perfect, yet he called you there. You're not perfect. Why do we expect people to be something we are not? The hypocrisy is at an all-time high. We've got to understand when we say, yes, Lord, I will do it. There's so many things in that that God's trying to grow you up, making you a man of character a woman of integrity. That's what God is trying to do. But we don't give God long enough. And we most certainly don't give his servants half that time. If something don't turn around like we want it to be, we're out the door. But we need more people who will be heady in their decision and say, I'm going to serve come what may. And that's more than a notion. We think it would be easier to follow. And we think it'd be easy if we follow the man of God. The Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do that. Just in case it don't work out, you can blame the man of God. You know, that's why we ask preachers, what do you think I should do? And they say, well, the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that. And then when it don't pan out that way, we got somebody else we can blame. And then we can call them a false prophet. And then we'll leave that ministry, that church and go to another church. And the cycle continues. But when are you going to take responsibility for your own prayer life? When are you going to take responsibility for your own Bible reading? When are you going to take your own responsibility for your own sanctification and dedication to God? That's between you and God, not between you and the pastor. No, he's there to help you to fulfill the call of God on your life. He's there to encourage you correct you even when you need to be corrected because that's what God does. The Lord loves us. So he will chasten us through those that he has called us to sit under. But the prophet says, go on about your business, Elisha. I've done nothing to you. I've done nothing to you to make you want to follow me. So Elisha makes his own decision to follow. Elisha had faith in the mantle that hid his life, and he said yes to it. Don't miss this. If the anointing is real, you are responsible to follow it. You need to write that down. If the anointing is real, not fake, not hype, not cliche, if the anointing is real, you are responsible to follow it and obey it. You are. Because you get more through obedience than you will ever get through understanding. Some of you are trying to understand. You're not called to understand. You're called to obey. And obedience unlocks understanding. You'll understand it later. But God says, what I need from you is a yes, Lord. Will you give it? Or do you need some more time? You're losing time every day. You keep telling people, I'm praying about it. You know, we do hide behind that word. I'm praying about it because reality is we're not praying about it. We don't want to pray about it because the opportunity we think is not up to our liking or of our making. 
we miss so many great opportunities in what we would consider the mundane. It ain't hype enough for me. It's like the sons of Zebedee. They wanted to sit next to the Lord so they could get some shine. But that's not what this is about. Jesus didn't come to get no shine. A newsflash, he is the light of the earth. <laughs> he is the light of the world, man. So we've got to understand something today that until you say yes to God, you're just going to continue to live your same boring life. Mondays will never change for you. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sunday, it'll all be the same for you. I invite you to say yes to the Lord. So Elisha makes his own decision. He made that decision standing in the middle of that field. No bright lights, no fanfare, no music, no congregation clapping, saying you can do it, nobody patting him on the back, just a man and his word. Wow. That's what we need today. A man or a woman with their word. Where are those people at? Can somebody send me an email and tell me where I can find them? Just those that'll say, I'll be there and come. It's amazing how people will give their word and they won't even come. They won't even tell you that they won't even tell you a reason why they didn't come. Something is wrong in the body of Christ with our own personal integrity, with our own personal walk with the Lord. We need to clean it up if we really want God to use us. May I say this to you? If you don't take yourself seriously, why do you expect people to do that? Why do you expect people to take you seriously? You don't take yourself serious. Why are you expecting a different result and get upset when nobody takes you serious? But you don't take your own words. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. That's the Bible. That's what the word of God says. So Elisha made what I call a destiny decision. In other words, what I do now will shape my tomorrow. And that's what I want to say to you. What you do now will shape your tomorrow. Don't just let this be just a normal podcast that you're listening to. I do believe this is the word of the Lord for many of you. This could be the day that you make a decision to say yes to God that will change your life, your family's lives, leaving a legacy for your grandchildren and other people to follow. You just but one decision away from things changing for you. Look at verse number 21. And he turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave it unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Oh my goodness. You mean to tell me Elisha was so sure about the call of God when he said yes to it in that field? that he burned his equipment, that he gathered, that his father paid for, that they gathered over the years? You mean tell me he slew the oxen? I mean, this man was serious. He pulled everything that day in the middle of that field and set it on fire. In my opinion, signifying, I can't come back to this. There's no way I can come back to it no more. It's up in smoke. It's up in flames. And I feel like until we really do that, we really haven't made a true yes to God. Anything that you can go back to, you haven't fully said yes, nor have you destroyed the ability to go back to it. And this is why I said decisions are different than choices. 
See, you make a choice. If that don't work, you can find something else or go back to that. But when you make a decision, there's a sacrifice that that you give to God that goes up in smoke that says to God, I'm serious. I'm not playing. I'm willing to go all the way with you. Where are those people? Do those people exist today? I mean, when I follow God, there were some things I just could not go back to. I told the people, I said, hey, I'm done. I'm done going out with you. I'm done hanging with you. We're not going in the right direction. I was willing to ruin those relationships because of what I found. Because of what the Lord said to me. My relationship with God was more important than what I had with a few friends. No, that's not what God is saying, baby. We got to go the extra mile. But look at what Elisha did. He put it all in the middle of the field. Boiled the flesh, gave it to the people, had a quick party. He said, but I'm out. Peace out. I'm done. I have found the servant of the Lord. Notice now he's serving and ministering to Elijah as unto God. So is it possible to really serve God and not serve people? I don't think so. Matter of fact, you can't even serve God unless you're serving some people. You're serving yourself. But when you serve God, there's always going to be somebody you're accountable to. And that's the problem. We don't like accountability. And that's why we have a hard time saying yes to God. But I pray today, if you can hear me by the spirit, this may sound a little rough, but I love you. I want to see you go somewhere. You ought to respect somebody that is giving it to you straight. You got to find that person. Allow the spirit of God to lead you and guide you to them. Because there's some things that are on hold for you until you find out where you belong and who you need to be connected to. And he ministered to the prophet. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And Elijah uh, followed Elijah and began to serve the man of God. He traveled with him. He looked after his clothes. He cooked his meals. He did everything to free the man of God for the ministry and for spiritual things. Please understand that when you are serving in that capacity, that's what you're doing. It's the routine menial things. Cooking a, cooking a meal, ironing his clothes, washing his clothes. I'm freeing him up to do the ministry. And people don't do that because that's a flunky's position. I want some shine. I want to be at the top. But what did Jesus say? He said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. You've got to serve to get there. And you're going to be asked to do things that you think are below you. But until God can trust you in the valley, he can't trust you on the mountain. This is where we start. As the young folks say, we getting it out the mud. This is what you have to do if you plan on going somewhere in God. People call themselves great, but they've got no lineage of who they served. Who did you serve? Who, who, who did you serve? I'm talking about who did you make a meal for? Who did you serve in your local church? Uh, uh, who's, who, whose life did you make better? Whose toilets did you clean? Floors did you scrub in the church? Painting. All the things that we think is nothing. But God says it's something to me because this is where I called you to be. And until you get happy about where God has called you, you don't even understand true joy. You'll never have true joy. 
Because until you become happy with Jesus and him alone, all these other relationships are just superficial. But I tell you, I love this story of Elisha. What a powerful man of God. And because he served Elijah, he got the mantle. All the other prophets stood afar off the day that Elijah was taken away in a whirlwind. But who got the mantle? They didn't. Elisha did because he served to get it. He was close to get it. Rain, sleep, snow, frustration, up, down, in, out, tears, whatever. Elisha was there and he got the double portion. And if you read your Bible, he did twice as many miracles as the man of God, Elijah. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, there is something in it for you. If you say yes to God, if you serve, there's something powerful in it for you. The only reason Elisha was able to do this was because of that irrevocable decision he made in that field with the oxen. Notice during those years, Elisha again was not told why he was to serve or to follow Elijah. I'm sure he was tired and hot and frustrated and dirty and unappreciated. Yet he stuck it out because of what he said years ago in that field. The truth is some believers can't stick with their decision for two weeks, then wonder why people around them, as I said before, don't take them serious. People are watching you, believe it or not, and you are writing your own dossier. You're writing your own resume about your own seriousness for God. Look at your own life. And if there's some things in your life you know you need to clean it up, clean it up. Because you don't want anybody looking at you saying, I thought you was a follower of Christ. There's enough frauds out here. There's enough charlatans out here. Don't you be one. Be the true and authentic one that people can look to. I want you to see your decision today as a kingdom decision. All right. So this is what we've got to do. And I believe that when we do, wow, the glory of the Lord that shall hit our lives and the body of Christ and the local church, the world will take us seriously because we we take our yes to God seriously. My yes, Lord, to God means something to me. And this is why. I stay faithful. Yes, amid trials, tribulations, all of that is going to come your way. It's just part and parcel. It's part for the course. But you'll win in life if you stick with it and you say yes to God. All right. That's all that I have for you today. I pray a few things that I shared with you today blessed you immensely. Listen to this episode over and over again. And let it get in your heart. If you were blessed, I want you to shoot me an email at info at thomasadeloach.com. Go to my website at thomasadeloach.com. There's a subscriber tab there on the homepage. Put your email in there. Click the send button and I will send you a free PDF to encourage your walk with the Lord. On that same website, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the screen, there's a donation tab. If you want to financially partner with me so that I can continue to empower you. I want you to pray about that. And whatever dollar amount you give goes for the production of this show so that we can reach more people. Even as you are being helped, there's so many more people that don't even know that this podcast exists. 
So if you give to it, we can do more things, more marketing, making sure that my voice and what God has given me, that it can go further out and reach more people for Christ. So do that today. I'm praying for you, believing in the best that God has placed inside of you. Get a yes, Lord, down in your heart. And when you do, I pray it's going to bless you real good. All right. And until next time, be empowered. Thank you for listening to my show to empower you. If you were blessed, inspired and encouraged, please send me a praise report, prayer requests or show ideas to info at thomasadeloach.com and follow me on Instagram at Thomas A. Deloach and Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. And remember, you can go to my website anytime at www.thomasadeloach.com. Until next time, be empowered.